I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. On this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, mashing up two foundational American music genres, hip hop and bluegrass. Groundbreakingly creative or a match made in unholy matrimony? Fusion group Gangstagrass says, just you listen. My name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Hip hop just might be the most malleable of musical genres. It's built off of the foundations of so many other genres and is itself perhaps the most mashiest up of all musical mashups. So by its very nature, blending in other genres from jazz to Latin to classical have often proven to be surprisingly fluid. And if you're the type to consider its literary qualities, the same could be said about its immense spectrum of subject matter. Indeed, hip hop easily rivals most traditional literary movements in its ability to encapsulate so much of the human condition within its linguistic art form. When done right, these artistic conglomerates can be creative, inventive, inspiring, and help build intellectual and musical bridges. Think Hamilton's merging of hip hop and traditional American musical or Guru's Jazzmatazz series. With all this though, there's still certain combinations that for many are simply too much oil and water, too incompatible. You won't hear a lot of polka rap after all. Country music was once considered this sort of hip hop antithesis. Musically, it's not impossible. It's generally a 4-4 style of music, even more influenced by pop these days. It could be done. Perhaps the perceived divides, both in musical taste and often ideology, between the demographics of the fans of each of these respective genres made the idea less tolerable than, say, rap and rock. Also, attempts at mashing up rap and rock have, for a variety of reasons, been traditionally well-received. Rap and country? Not so much. Now, credit is due, of course, to Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus for reopening this door to some extent, and though seen to many as a bit gimmicky, the effect on the general population was unquestionable. Still, in the polarized world we find ourselves in, can there exist a true merging of hip-hop and country, or even its more traditional subgenre, bluegrass? 
One that doesn't try to sugarcoat these ideological differences between fan bases. One that's unafraid to forcefully address even the most sensitive social justice issues, as hip-hop is wont to do. Uncompromising, even in the face of potentially unwelcoming audiences. But one that does so with the kind of musical authenticity that will influence fans of the genre to open their ears to those messages and open their arms to those messengers. Gangsta Grass says, hell yeah. And an enthusiastic fan base on both sides of the musical aisle agree. This fusion band is masterminded by singer-songwriter, guitarist, and producer Wrench. It features banjo playing by Dan Danjo Whitener, fiddle playing by Brian B. Farrow, and lyrical prowess from two MCs, Our Son and Dolio the Sleuth. On the eve of their new single release, Ain't No Crime, and a month ahead of their new album, No Time for Enemies, I spoke at length with B. Farrow, Our Son, and Dolio to discuss the way their formula for tackling this fabled combination of style and substance can and should be taken seriously, perhaps now more than ever. Once again, my name is Manny Faces. This is my conversation with Gangsta Grass. Peace and love. I'm glad y'all took some time out to kick it with me tonight. It's really a pleasure to rock with you. We've crossed paths before. I'm excited to know exactly what you're into and exactly what's popping off. For the record, and just so folks know who is who, we don't have the whole crew here, please just quickly introduce yourselves and state your role within the Gangsta Grass Empire, if you would. I'll go first as the, the elder statesman. My name is R. Son, the voice of reason. I amaze a racist. Make a Klansman like a ticket right outstanding gigabytes and add me to his playlist. Take his robes off, throw him on the burnt cross, light a split with it to blaze with my aces. I'm one of the MCs, repping Philly in all things at all times, and the luckiest dude in the world because I get to rock out with the greatest band ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dolio the Sleuth, repping Pensacola, Florida, and yeah. by way of Philadelphia. All about my suitcase, tell me how the boot taste. Chase bread like Pac-Man through the maze after fruit shakes. Hit you with the punchline, you're giggling for two days. Try to bite our style like every tea, you get a toothache. Been with the band, I guess, since the inception. Just like my homie, uh, our son here. And we feel hella lucky just to, you know, be able to still be rocking with it. I'm B. Pharaoh, I'm playing the fiddle. Young another band, hmm. newest member, probably about two years in with these dudes. Well, two years is a long time, so you know you toddler now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got him potty trained and everything. He was quick oh, that's that. what's up. All yeah, right, man. there you go. Yeah, you don't have to put quick. up the the gate anymore, like you know. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they got go down the stairs. They got to see in the van now. Yeah, we still got to use the leash every now and then. Though. Yeah, we put a leash on it when we're out on the road, <laughs> like in the mall. We probably yeah. should. <laughs> I always come back. <laughs> You're right, he does. He does. He yeah, does. He all does. right, all right. This what's up. Gangsta Grass, when it talks about the whole group and the whole thing, I don't really like, don't like to start with like the cliche question, but somebody give me an idea how this, this band came together, how this concept, uh, this genre mashup, uh, musicians, rap artists came together. How did it start? Honestly, what it started, it, it kind of always started a, a, a little bit before Gangsta Grass. I was the DJ slash turntablist in this other band with Wrench, our producer and mastermind of the crew. Yes. And this other group 
that he had started called uh, Battlestar America. Okay, hey, it's Manny the narrator again. Uh, technology has made it pretty easy to do these interviews remotely, but every now and then there's a hiccup. Dolio went on to trace the history of how Gangster Grass came to life, but we lost a tiny bit of it. We pick up the conversation shortly after as our son breaks down how he got into the mix. And don't worry, the rest of the interview went just fine. Here's our son. So I met Wrench on a Wednesday night in Philly. We did the show. I did some old verses and freestyled some stuff, you know, over their music. And then hopped in the van with him and drove down to North Carolina. And we did three shows that weekend. Just on a whim. Just yeah, jumping just, in the he van. He was like, yeah, out. let's do it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. all right, cool. Right. Um, me and Dolio met in 99 up at Penn State, just in a cipher outside of a bar one night, you know, when cats used to cipher it. I miss yeah. ciphers. But, you know, we were just a bunch of dudes was out there rhyming. I'm listening to this ball. I was like, yo. A man got bars over here. Okay. <laughs> Who's this cat? And, you know, here we are 20 years later, and still there, there, there's a few MCs that I sort of try and that I use as a level to, to match and to maintain. This guy is one of them. That's what's Definitely up. I'm going to uh, be, I'm going to come into you in a minute as a newbie in a group. I'm going to come to you in a second, but let me just focus sort of on the, the genesis of this thing. When y'all two came across what Wrench was doing, this sort of hybrid, this mashup, this bluegrass, country music, this whole mashup vibe. Listen, I'm I'm a hip hop dude, and on paper, the concept is you know can go either way. Let's just let's just be generous. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're very yeah, right. And if you if you look at the ways it's been done a few times, it yeah, has, a lot of it has not been great. It has right. not been great, and I think that's because. The people involved weren't really trying to take the two art forms and take what was very much similar about them and put them together as opposed to just like slapping these two things together and see what worked. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, yep. Yeah. With me, it is. With me, it didn't even really seem that out of whack for me. Yeah. Because, like, when I met Wrench, I was living in Brooklyn and I just moved there not too long ago at that point. But, being from the South, myself, like we would be watching Soul Train on Saturday and watching Hee Haw on Sunday. <laughs> so, I mean, and like we would never, and it like, I had never really heard anything that was putting those two things together so seamlessly until I saw it as a live entity. So like, mm. when, so when we did the, because he approached me when we were still doing like the honky tonk hip hop funk thing and he needed a turntable. So like right. I jumped on as as the DJ, yeah. Uh, mostly because of the fact that I guess he didn't hear anybody that cut like that because I'm a Southern DJ. You know, I I grew up on Florida, Miami booty shake bass Miami music. Bass, yeah, yeah. So like a lot of cats in New York weren't used to hearing someone scratching that fast on fast beats like that in that manner, let alone on some country stuff. So Bet. Yeah. you know. Which is Got probably it. also why I was able to like get extra tips when I was DJing at the strip club because I was because <laughs> I was the one that was playing the Luke records. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. The other thing you got to remember is that uh, y- your favorite hip hop records. The thing about it that that really gets you is that loop, right? Yeah. A lot so. of times, it's whatever the sample is, uh, however it's looped, and in, and in this case, you're getting that same sort of vibe. But you're getting it. It's just happening live. And then when it's happening live, you can be playing that same loop and then change the note, but keep the same loop. 
and then change the note again, mm. but keep the same loop. So you, right. you can, the effect is the same, but the you build can do, up. Yeah. The build is the same, but you can, you can change so much with it on the fly that it's just as authentically improvisational as, as most hip hop is. Yeah. But you know, you're doing the same thing just with, with instruments. It yeah. just makes yeah, it look. Plus the bluegrass is hella improvisational. Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you look at sample-based hip-hop and you look at loops and, and layers of loops, but you look at it also from, like, a live band. Whenever there's a live band, look at what the Roots can do when they're live as opposed to what just sample producers or loop producers can do. There's always going to be that extra thing. Matter of fact, even, again, coming into it as a regular hip-hop head, like, I don't know about this whole combination, but let me see what, let me see what happens. And then hearing y'all rec- record this stuff is tight. Obviously, everyone's musically talented MCs are authentic everyone's dope and kicking dope stuff it's a, it's a great vibe but live does turn it up a notch i saw y'all live and it's it it really there's some nuance that gets it's hard to capture in a recorded version yeah to what y'all do it yeah. definitely is and that's that's what really makes it a lot of fun to be able to to just add stuff to the hook and to be able to just sort of bounce off of each other like what we're doing that's what made what we're doing a lot of fun and it's dope to listen to recorded but seeing it live and if you if you got a chance to check out the live album that we did uh pocket full of fire some of that stuff you only really hear at that show right you know because we'll be referencing the city that we're in and that kind of stuff and that's that's only right, happening right. there Saint Louis I think that's I mean look, that's that's the, the blessing and a curse of, of live bands, you know, big bands or or very band heavy bands. Like the live stuff is really exceptional. But what I do like, again, I said I'm gonna take it back. Musically, there's an authenticity there. This isn't like you said, a slapping together of genres. This is authentic musicians from one genre. MCs that are like, We're not gonna come on and do no half ass hip hop ish. We're gonna like nah. come and do the written nah. So B, let me bring you into this B. So musically, how did you come across the band? How did you vibe into this? What's your musical background? And and how did you fall into this uh, obscene mix of music? You know what? <laughs> My first touring experience, y'all talk about jumping in the van with four other dudes. <laughs> I just started, uh, well, not just started. I was playing with some bluegrass bands around D.C. And uh, we got invited to this big festival the Kingman Island Bluegrass Fest- Festival, yeah, not yeah, Cayman okay. Islands, Kingman Island, Kingman Island. You know, that, it happens to be the festival I met Gangster Grass, but th- this was a couple of years back, the first time I went. I played uh, with this band, the Delafield Bluegrass Band. I think that's what we were called. <laughs> and we played a real early set in the day, like five people and somebody's grandma was there. Uh, <laughs> but we had passes for the entire day, so I just... You know, wandered around the festival, seeing friends, getting drunk, you know, lighting a spliff with a friend or two there. And then, like, this thing just gets packed throughout the day. Like, I don't I know nothing about this festival. Like, it, this is uh, I don't mean to say it like this. I, I was just there like, man, this is some white people stuff, but this is popping. Right. But like people. But, but, but you playing bluegrass to begin with. So wait a minute. <laughs> like I didn't you know, know you, about it. Like I'm just I'm like <laughs> How did you get into playing that style of music? Like what was your So uh, 
to go back a little bit from that, like I I was playing like rock and a lot of R and B and jazz around DC. And then one day I go into like a regular punk bar that I really like. And there's a bluegrass band playing in the basement. And I it just blows my mind. I I like I was just like, yo, I I try to hear this stuff on the radio. I, I I didn't know there was a scene for this music around. So right. I just get to talk. I, I used to hear it on a, a on a you know on a cable vision. You got that one channel bluegrass music. Like yeah 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 yeah. I know kids. exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I used to put on my kids as a joke. Like it's time to go to bed. Time to listen to bluegrass. <laughs> like so I knew of the like I know the music. Like we know the genre exists, but like you said, there's not a you didn't know there was a scene for it. Yeah, but- especially in in DC. Like we think like down south. In the in the sticks, right? And I've since learned there's folks like the Country Gentlemen and Seldom Seen that are around DC, and they're great. They're actually, you know, I really dig the scene around that that region. Uh, there's also um, God, where are they called again? Not the, I don't remember their their name later. It's something like the Clifton Ramblers, Clifton County Ramblers. It's a county in Maryland, um, mm. and they're rambling in it, and they play good bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's how I met this particular band. I, I saw that band in the basement and I was just like, I want to play bass. I know they had a bassist, <laughs> but eventually I guess he he left the band and they hit me up. Yeah. So again, this festival, I'm hanging out. I'm I'm drunk and stoned later on in the uh, the afternoon just watching shows. And I still got backstage passes. So I just wander backstage and there is the most funny looking cat sitting there playing fiddle the most funny looking way <laughs> and it's just long hair trucker cap on levi's jean jacket on wearing jeans it's hot out but you know that's his look i guess he is playing some like just good groovy scratchy fiddle and i'm just sitting there staring at him and he stops for a second and it's just like looks like you need a friend and i'm holding two beers i'm like i'm about to make one <laughs> So we just get to hanging out and chatting. Then the rest of the band, he's in a band, I guess. The rest of the band comes along and they're like, oh, we need to rehearse. And they start practicing. And I noticed they didn't have a bassist. And my bass was still sitting over there. Mm. And uh, I was just like, I got a bass, guys. So how about I join you? And at first they're like, I don't know. You know, we just lost our bassist. I don't, I don't think we're doing basis anymore. I was like, come on. <laughs> we're biased against basis right now. I'm like, come on. It's, it's, it's like, it's just guitar, fiddle, banjo, and a guy playing charisma, uh, yeah. which is like cans. This is the Hackensaw Boys, by the way. I, I just said, come on. And Ferd, the fiddle player, was like, yeah, let him come up. And they were the headliner. I didn't know that. So it was packed and I didn't do a bad job. And they invited me on tour. And it's like four of the hickest dudes that I could have met in D.C. And they're just like, come on a tour with us for a couple of months. And I'm like, all right. I learned jumped in the van. I, I learned a van. lot. <laughs> <laughs> so from that, like, yeah starting to play this stuff i noticed there's not like a lot of brown folks around i did meet up with don flemons and i played with him for a while meeting these guys it's just it's great to to see other folks like touching this music and being a part of it because we got a history in there too yeah for sure that, that actually that's a great point i i wrote a piece it didn't get uh, i'm still sitting on it but uh i wrote a piece about the word americana mm. 
and and how Americana, when you look at it as like musical history, Americana is like old country western, jug band music, uh, American roots, American folk. The definition of it is, well, it comes from born and bred in America. But when you look at early blues, there was genre mixing before we had radio stations that were playing genres, exactly. right? And like you say, you know, uh, black and brown folk, African-Americans were contributing to all of these genres across the board. And that's what some people don't realize, that there's a history even behind bluegrass country, jug band, early, you know, folk. Well, the, the thing is, they, they, those things were all like one and the same for a long time. Right. And they didn't start to delineate between genres until they needed a way to market these things to different populations. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you would see the same record being listed as two different genres because they were trying to sell it to, uh, you know, sell one to the black folk and the other to the to the white folks. So one thing would be considered, you know, country or folk or whatever, but then it would just be called race records or blues on the other hand. Uh, so when you look at things like rock and roll, country, blues, jazz, all of this stuff, there was no no real divisions between you know, the ethnic groups that were predominantly taking part in it until they needed a way to market this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. when the division started happening. Because mm-hmm. before then, the groups, even the bands themselves, would be culturally mixed. Right. Yeah, because, like, you know, bluegrass is mountain music. You go to the mountains, you go to Appalachia, you go to Lynch, Kentucky, where people are in the coal mines. You're looking at, you know, Italian immigrants and black folks and Irish folks and Folks, they, they just all crammed into a hole in a mountain. And then after they done working in the mountain and, and, and sweating a mile deep in the ground, they come out and they socialize. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a uh, there's a cool, cool fiddler, violinist, jazz violinist, Stuff Smith. There's uh, interviews with him where he talks about there's not a lot of jazz violinists out there. So the other shredding cats, uh, I guess, folk violinists, he's. He's hanging out with our guys like Bob Wills and a bunch of other country fiddlers. Mm. And, you know, he's he's a jazz guy talking across the line and talking about hip hop and old time. Like I I'm always telling folks about Frank Stokes. Listen to a good thing and you'll mm. you'll hear the earliest hip hop track that I know of. Let me ask you this. All that was then, but now those delineations exist. How is it that sort of this hybrid mashup group decides to go touring in areas that are more traditional bluegrass <laughs> country type places, and you come in with this mix-up, this mashup. Tell me what that is like. I'm going to tell you right now, um, the thing that I found most interesting, and a guy just sent me a picture of his 81-year-old dad that comes to our show every time we go to Thomas, West Virginia, that mm-hmm. loves us to death. Like this mm-hmm. guy, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many shows we've done together. In that time, um, I've encountered one person that was like, nah, I'm not fucking with these guys, and bounced. One. One dude, right? Right. No, there was right. that other guy in um, Chattanooga. There was, there was a, a guy in Chattanooga? The one I was at? 
Nah, this was the first time we played at Chattanooga, but he left before we even played a single note. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, okay, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. But he had sight, he, sight he, he, he had his other reasons. He was like, oh nope. There's Negroes on the stage. We're getting out of here. He's like, I'm out. Um, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, that's all I need. But in general, in general, yeah. we've been seen by thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. It's something you can really watch. And we do it a lot when like watching the YouTube comments on stuff. People hear about it and they're like, I can't fuck with this. And right. then it, they hear it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well. Okay. Well, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it is so authentic. You know what I'm saying? And right. regardless of what you think about one set of music or the other, the cast that are playing the instruments are real, talented, amazing musicians. Wrench is an amazing producer. Wrench got beats. You know yeah. what I'm saying? This guy is really able to, to layer stuff and just really puts it together. Everybody in the band, myself excluded, can sing their ass off. I can't sing. The, I can't sing a lick. Right. And the, the, those melodies, those those melodies are like authentic. That's the fellas, the yeah. fellas. Yeah, yeah. Yo, they that's be- some authentic. I don't know. I'm not a country western bluegrass guy, but I'm like, well, that sounds authentic to me. Yo, the fellas, <laughs> I mean, they they lay it down. They lay it down. Yeah. On every level, because it is so authentic in the genre. And because the talent is there in what we're yeah. doing, you can't deny that it's dope. You know, my my one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes of all time, Fonte. He said, "Dope beats, dope rhymes. What more do y'all want?" And that's right, what you right, get. Right. That's what, that's exactly what you get from us. The the beats are dope. The the music is dope. And as MCs, like I said, Dolio is one of my favorite MCs in the world. Like this 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 guy, it, I measure myself on on his standard, and so I have to be at that level of what these guys are doing. Yeah. I, I, I'll pat myself on the back. I'm pretty dope. Um, and I, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it's always good to have someone to like another MC in the, in the group though. Yeah. Like to you, make sure y'all both trying to top each other. Yeah, all the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. I know how it is. Yeah. I, suspect, hey. I know how it is. Yeah. Steel start hey, real steel. Talk. You know what I'm saying? We, I'm, I'm in this band because of these dope MCs. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, we've and definitely listen. had people that were like, there's a lot of open-minded folks. You know, especially nowadays in the digital age, everyone's jumping around with the stuff they're listening to. But it wasn't always that open when we first Mm. came out there. Folks came in ready to hate. But like you said, as soon as they heard it, there was no denying it. Now, listen, from the hip hop side, I rock with that. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Sounds crazy on paper. Got to meet y'all. You know me. I'm I'm co-signing 100%. And maybe when you go into West Virginia, Kentucky, all these places, they might say, okay, I'm a, I'm a rock with them musically. They sound tight. They, they're doing their thing. But what I think we had some failure in the past, <clears throat> LL Cool J and <clears throat> Brad Paisley. Yeah. <clears throat> um, in, in merging these, uh, genres is that, you know, sort of lyrically, it was more of like a kumbaya kind of thing. What I appreciate as sort of a, you know, social justice minded guy. Is that you guys don't shy away from being real heavy-handed with the message? No, of, not at all. Uh, you know, and this really becomes really exemplified by the the single "Freedom." Oh yeah. 
Learn from the past, there'll be no more marching. The demons the same as the day that he darkened the shores of our precious, blessed mother continent. Stole our ancestors and put them on the market. They stayed fanned in the flames that they sparked with the evil intentions they've had from the start. If we still have to fight, then we'll tear this apart. Peace will be found with a spear through the heart. Another plan is a brother man in power positions. Sisters in greater control of our conditions. When it happens, I doubt you're gonna listen. But consider yourself somehow a Christian. I'm on I know I've seen you live. I've seen you talk about these things. You're on stage. I saw you in Brooklyn, so I don't know how you are in Kentucky, just to be honest. Exact same way. No, we we straight up. It's fascinating because I have a friend of mine who came through to a show in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And she it was the first time she had ever seen us perform. She she knew me as an MC for back when I used to spin in Boston. And she was like, Okay, here we are in this bar, um <laughs> surrounded by rednecks. She's familiar with what she used to hear me spit, and she was like not expecting it to be like even harder this mm. time. Cause it was like, wait a minute, you was you straight up told these folks that my 40 acres star here and you standing right on the line in front of a bunch of rednecks and they threw their hands up in the air and cheered for you. And I was like, mm. I was like, yeah, because people, they appreciate it when you keep it real with them. You mm. you got to keep it a hundred. You got to keep it a buck. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. So you're saying that even by coming at the issues harder, you're finding sort of a more accepting audience. Yeah. yeah. I, well, the thing is, is that you can't address a sickness unless you diagnose it. Yeah. Like you can't treat it unless it's been diagnosed, you know? Right. But so a lot of times when it comes, especially when it comes to art and a performative art at that, people have a tendency to want to like mask the symptoms. You know what I mean? You want to dull that pain instead of treating what is actually causing it. So mm-hmm. the thing is, is that we we beat past that to get it into their head. So they're just like, okay, I never looked at it that way before. And then that starts that discussion. Right. So instead right. of us just coming in there, I mean, we still got those parties, shake your butt, get down songs. But yeah. we're still going to be talking about mass incarceration. We're still going to be talking about poverty. Yeah. So let's talk about freedom. Let's talk about that single because it's one of the lead singles from the new album. Let's talk about freedom. This single was released on Juneteenth. Yeah. Again, what I noticed and personally like about y'all work is that you're you're not coming from the issues of social justice with a we're all in this together, kumbaya kind of thing. It's no, it's like there's extreme injustice in the country. And in some ways, you're trying to tell the folks who might be more inclined to listen to your foundational style of music. Hey, there's something you really need to hear. Thank you for inviting us into your space, but we're going to tell you something. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. That's exactly yeah. right. This was extremely prominent on freedom, like extremely prominent. I was a little bit like, damn, y'all really going <laughs> <laughs> like y'all not playing that middle ground. You're picking a clear side and you're letting people know this is how we're going to rock. Listen to what I'm trying to say. This is purposeful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we started writing. We wrote the song last year. Yeah, we wrote the song last year. We recorded it, in, I think, January. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then when, you know, everything popped off, it wasn't even supposed to be a single. It wasn't supposed to, it wasn't supposed to be a single when it came out. The video, we didn't have plans for it at all. And then things just started to steamroll, and we were like, 
Yo, dog, the, we need to we need this, to start. We need to do something. We yeah, need to we do were something. Like, yeah, we were like, this is the song that needs to come out right now because it is like the type of thing that we would like to be the theme for the new revolution. Because like the reason why we came so heavy handed on the song in the first place is because pussyfooting around the situation is how we got here in the first place. Mm. You know, as long as people think it's just about how you feel and not about how, whether or not you act, mm. then you're going to just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And the situation is never going to get better. So that's what we hit it with. We ain't going to wait no more. Right. To get this freedom. I ain't going to wait no more to get this freedom. I ain't going to wait no more to get this freedom. You know, I mean, action. Right. I mean, I all, all due respect to the elders of the movement, but it's important that we learn from what they encountered. The whole thing about about learning from your past is seeing where things went wrong, where they turned left and seeing how to build upon that. So, you know, and they were like, okay, we shall overcome someday type of thing. Someday is now. And that's where we came with it. How much of the album that's, that's dropping in in August, right? Yeah. Yeah. Give me a percentage. You know, how much of that is sort of message music, protest music? Uh, It's hard to say. Yeah, I think there's a the the album's called No Time for Enemies. I think that declaration of demanding freedom goes into that because you mm-hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't take a, your freedom away from a friend. You take it away from enemies. We don't got time for that. We don't. I think it loops into a, a, a bigger message. Like we we can't be fighting over this stuff. There's just you know when it comes to I guess race relations. There's there's a lot of bad blood there and we need to talk about it. We need to be open about it and we need to like be able to hear each other on it. And we don't have time to be enemies because, you know, the stuff we're going through now makes us as a, a nation, as a country, it makes us look weak. So we don't have time for that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, with that, we also, it has many meanings wrapped into the title because we're not, we're not in the, in the business of making enemies with this, we also realize that there are enemies that already exist. So there's no time to be making new ones, and the time mm. and the time for the old ones is done. Their time is over, which is why right. which is why things are so tumultuous right now. Because what we're witnessing is the 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 death rattle of the old guard of the age of injustice. People are tired of waiting. People are, are fed up. We've hit a critical mass, which is why we're seeing an uprising globally, you know. Um, yeah. So, like, to go back to what you were saying, is how much of this is protest music. I wouldn't say that the album itself is protest music. It's movement music. Yeah. So You're going to give me a quotable? I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> movement music. That's the new hashtag right there. Yeah, because like NTFE hashtag movement music. But you see, I teed it up. I set it up. You 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 get the assist on that one. You definitely get the assist on that one. That was a good pitch. That was Magic Johnson like. You just. All right. That's brilliant. Right. Because to me, me, uh, a protest is really you asking the unjust to become just. Whereas a movement is you motivating those who injustice is being done against and the allies of those who are witnessing this happen to come together to make this stop 
and to move forward with it. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's more than just being against the injustice. It's about being pro-justice. You know, what we do, this is, we're artists, so we do our, our part artistically in addition to what we do in our, our regular lives outside of our art. But we're motivated by, we're motivated by love primarily. So, and our love for each other, for our people, for our communities, for those who, who ally with us on many different fundamental levels. So it's about us coming together, having each other's backs, and pushing past all of this nonsense to build and rebuild into a, a new paradigm of justice. And, and we know it's not going to be easy, but if we could be the soundtrack to that movement, mm. so be it. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I feel lucky that people even listen to us in the first place. Yeah. But so because of that, I know that each one of us in this group do our best to make sure that when we get in there to create and we put our heads together to make something, we, we, we make something. We don't want the people who end up picking this up to feel let down or feel like they've been cheated out of the reward of, of that emotion, mm. you know, that energy exchange that we're trying to push forward. That's powerful. I appreciate that mission. It's not just a message, right? It's a mission. It's there's something purposeful about the work you're doing. It it may have started out as, hey, we're gonna be artists. We're gonna do this thing. It's gonna be great. We're mashing up these genres. And maybe I'm I'm speaking for y'all, but in the beginning, you might not have seen the social justice ramifications of what you're doing. But as the years progress, and right now, like it's it's sort of the time for a lot of these things you might really say this is purposeful work right now. Yeah, because just speaking it, uh, individually, like, you know, having listened to, D- to Dolio's stuff, his individual stuff as well, you know, there's always been something to what we were saying. I've been doing this rap shit for almost 25 years, and I've never made a song that's, that would be a hit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But there was always something that I wanted you to get from it, right? And Dolio stuff has always been the same way. It's always been something, something from it, regardless of of how dope the lyrics were. Not only were the lyrics dope, but there was there was something behind it mm. that was, you know, you hope somebody was getting out of it, right? And so when we linked up with Gangster Grass, particularly Wrench, because Wrench. Not only is, does Wrench got bars, he got bars. Wrench is a, is a G on this this a lot of this like social justice stuff. Like yeah. Wrench is that dude. I, I wouldn't surprise me if he got a warrant or two. But he's been arrested several times at a lot of protests uh, down in D.C. Like Wrench right. is a he's about that life. You know what I'm right. saying? And the kind so, of ally who don't call himself an ally. Right. He yeah, put exactly. he'll he'll put he's got skin in the game. He's not he's, he's not sitting yeah. on the bench. He's not a cheerleader. Yeah, he's he's in the yeah. game. Wrench is definitely that dude is he's he's on the front line. And, you know, just being able to to link up with a with a guy like that that was doing that anyway, it just sort of brought it out for me personally, just brought it out a little bit more mm. to really sort of make the whole thing for me a little bit more official. You know, a yeah. lot of it was a lot of me rapping was just me writing raps that sounded interesting. Um right. and now there's 
there's more to it for me. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to join a movement, you're yeah. going to be a, you're going to be aligned one. with that movement. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is definitely the one. That That's what I feel about a lot of y'all like to see black men saying, like, to be real, I'm going to team up with this style of music that isn't traditionally associated with me. And I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to personal, like, I'm going to still rock what I feel needs to be rocked. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, like, I, that's what I feel about y'all. Like, you wouldn't half step this. Nope. No. And that's what makes it so powerful, I think, in that it is when you talk about hybrids, when you talk about cross-cultural connection, to me, this is the way it needs to be done. We went another route with it, too. Earlier this year, we came out with a mixtape. Oh, we, the, the remakes. Uh, yeah, yeah the, my, my brother. brother yes. Yeah. Um, that very much was for for the hip hop cats that right. that weren't sure, right? And we're like, "What is this all about?" And every one of those beats we selected because everybody knows them. If you're a hip hop cat, you know every one of those beats. You know every one of those samples. And when you hear it, you're like, "Oh wait, is that yeah. okay? All right, that's all right. What are you doing with yeah. this?" And again, right. you know, it was a matter of having the the, the best instrumentalist to be able to do it. And then you know, me and Dolio had to. It, it, it takes a lot, and I was thinking about this when we were recording it. Like, boom, is it a is a, is a record? Set it off, we busting off a concussive force. The hit from where I rest, way up in the north, to down south, where they just found out exactly what this gangster grass sounds about. Cause it drowns out all the whack noise. I'm a freeborn man, you won't catch me in the trap, boys. That's a DJ premiere and Royce the Five Nine record. Yeah, and we, to we could to, not to, go, come half stepping on that. No, not at all. Right, not on at all. On any of them. But that was on any of any of those joints. That's legendary stuff, and and it's like, look, not we're not none of this is is fake. None of this is all authentic, and and that's how we're gonna give it to you. Yeah, I think that it's an interesting time for the work you do. I said this in the beginning. On paper, the concept might be a little bit questionable. You know, no disrespect intended, as you know. No, no doubt. But also on paper. The concept could be brilliant and what we need. Yeah. And it, and what it really takes is what it really matters is the the right talent involved. And yeah. I think that we uh, I think that we yeah. do. And you know what? Just to just to put it out there, you hear bluegrass hip hop and you're like, I don't know. But when you listen to it, like maybe you can find out that we're using those genres to to get in your ears, to get in your eyes real quick, because we all come from a very diverse background of different musics that connect. Our son, he's from Philly, so like he's got those rap connections. Dolio's from Florida, and he knows about Southern hip-hop a lot more. In fact, Dolio and my pops would have a lot to talk about because Southern hip-hop became really popular out in Omaha. I'm I'm coming from a, a, a background of jazz and old time. And though I played bass, you know, in bluegrass bands, I've never played fiddle in a bluegrass band. I got old time chops on that thing. <laughs> Danjo, Danjo, you know, he's, he's heavy bluegrass. He's the one person who's heavy bluegrass. And, yeah. but he's also, he, he, he does choir stuff. He went yeah. to school to be a choir director and wrench is great with the honky tonk country. Like he could sing that stuff all night. 
So it's, yeah, yeah it's bluegrass hip hop gets you in the door and gets you like, oh, what is this? Mm. But once you get in here, obviously people hear so much more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, when he comes that, like, to bring back to the whole Americana type, is like this past few years, we've been knocking doors down and basically establishing our foothold in these arenas. One, we we're establishing first that one that hip hop is folk music. Yep. And two Yes. And then the last and then over the last year and a half or so, we had been going through establishing the fact that hip hop is Americana. Yep. Yeah. That's that's what I was saying. We yeah. on the same page. Right. So hundred percent. First we did it when we went to Americana Fest in the UK. Because mm. to them in the in Europe they didn't really necessarily give us those delineations that you would get in on stateside as far as like, this is that and this is the other thing. Over there, right. we're just a bunch of Yanks. <laughs> right. Americans. Right. So Americana. Right. So it's American music. Right. <laughs> right. So they were like, right. okay, this is dope. Let's rock with it. But so this last year is when we really set our foothold in Americana here. So we went and we smashed Americana Fest in Nashville. And that's when they were like, Okay, yeah, hip hop is Americana. Mm. That's, I, I tell you, I, like I said, I, I wrote, I'm sitting on a piece where I said that. Yeah. I said hip, that was my whole editorial. <laughs> I never published that, but <laughs> yeah, publish it. Yo, no, for real, for, real. for Randy, how many hip hop crews were at Folk Alliance the first time we went? Zero. Well, there was there was <laughs> one, right? Us. But how many were there the last time? Yeah, there was a, it was a bunch there the last time. It okay. was a bunch. Okay. So y'all lead movements on multiple fronts. You lead music, uh, musical movements. This is social justice. This is this is artist activism. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's it's all of yeah. that because it's too easy to just come out here and put out a record that will make you shake your butt, won't, but won't make you think about anything. You know what I mean? Right. It's too easy. Me and D right. talk all the time about how if we wanted to be famous, we could make some knucklehead sh- and pop real quick. You know what I'm saying? Yo, in between but, takes in the studio, we've written like thousands of those records. <laughs> thousands <laughs> of just, just, just goofball records. Just freestyle. Right. everybody in the room records. Right. We right. sold all the crack records, like everything, <laughs> like whatever, man. Like, then we get in the booth, I, we're like, okay, let's make this real record. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? My thing in, in anything that I'm doing is like, I want to leave you with something. I want you to walk away from it and be thinking about it not just the words that i was saying but why i was saying it and what it was all about and that's the yeah. kind of music we've been making on so many levels we got a song called ran dry that's about like water and having clean water and having access to clean water not a single solitary drop no relent from the thirst of the drought so parched till your skin starts to crack on your mouth sun beating on your neck not a shadow of a doubt even if it is just whatever the song is where it's something that you just might be shaking your ass to, once that's your favorite joint and you really listen to it, you're like, oh, wow, They're, this is okay. They're saying that's, something. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's, that's why I don't, I don't even say my name in most of my songs, mostly because I don't want it to be about me. Mm. I want, if I'm, if I'm talking in the first person, I'm, I'm writing it so that whoever's listening to it can sing that as themselves and feel it. Again, Dole will give me the quotables for the night. Um, 
Um, real quick, coronavirus, COVID nineteen probably messed up y'all flow a little bit. You're probably like had stuff. Uh, I know. Yo, we were supposed to be in Africa that whole month of April. Right? Mm. That was gonna be my first time in Africa. Same. Uh, that was gonna be the first time for all three of us. All three of us, man. I was all ready to kiss the ground as soon as I got off the plane. Um, We had had, friends lined up. Then we had a bunch of um, a bunch of overseas stuff happening this year that all got pushed over to next year. Hopefully, you know, hopefully, inshallah, we'll be able to come out and and still do that stuff. Yeah, you know, as soon as we can get some adults back at the wheel. (laughs) Yeah. What have y'all been doing to try to keep aligned with your your fan base? Keep aligned with you know uh, the people who follow you. I know you've done a couple of online things. What are you guys doing to try to uh, compensate for the madness? Um, we're so we're doing all kinds of stuff. We're on Twitch multiple times a week. Yeah, gangstagrass um, TV. Yeah, right. we uh we just uh, updated our new our website uh, gangstagrass is brand new. Dolio and I dropped albums on May first. Uh, we both dropped solo albums. And we've been just kind of promoting all that stuff. Uh, I'm in people's face every day. Like, hey, <laughs> go get some stuff. Go buy some stuff. Go get some gangster grass. Go, you know, do this so that, you know, people don't get just sort of wrapped up in sitting on their couch watching Netflix, getting food delivered. When it's time, when it's safe for us to really kind of get back into the world, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We've been building. So, but we have been building. We Like I said, we finished recording the album. We only had three songs on the album recorded when everything shut down. So we we recorded oh. the whole rest of the album in our remote? individual labs. Yeah, yeah. remote. Yeah. Okay. Fortunately, it had all been written beforehand. Yeah, everything right. was written, and we just had it to... It looked like the, the video for Freedom was also done kind of remotely. Like, oh, you know, man. Uh, yeah. it, that was, yeah. We all sh- shot those in our cribs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My 14-year-old you know, son shot my part, and I sent, <laughs> we sent it all. I'm dead serious. We sent it all to my man. Uh, shout out to my man, uh, Shanti, that put that together. In like less than two weeks, we we, yeah. we were like, well, yo, we got to do this and just got it done. Yeah. Quarantine is the mother of invention. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yo, yeah. I've been, I mean, you know, unintentionally, but we figured out new ways to do things. Yeah, it's got me DJing um, again. I've been hosting a um, Dolio Saturday dance party. <laughs> All right. That's what I do a Sunday R&B brunch. So, yeah. you know what I mean? We need to tune into each other. Yeah. Right? And make yeah, I'll be doing yeah, it yeah. this Saturday, 3 p.m. Uh, all right, so that's what's up. I mean, obviously, people can check in on you guys and keep in touch. Follow what you're doing. What are your main channels that you want to direct people to so that they find out all these things you guys are doing individually and collectively? Well, everything is at Gangster Grass as far as socials. We got at Gangster Grass on Twitter, at Gangster Grass on Instagram, GangsterGrass.com, Gangster Grass on Facebook, and on Twitch is GangsterGrass.tv. You just go to that domain and it'll take you to our Twitch channel. Individually, I'm at uh, Sleuth Media on Twitter, dsleuth.com on the website tip. We got our son is at boombaptherapy.com. And uh, our son, the voice on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook, our son, the voice of reason and all that kind of stuff uh, on Black Planet, on MySpace, <laughs> on uh, <laughs> my GeoCities page is still up. GeoCities. Yep. All that. Serve. His OnlyFans. No, he's not. It's not done yet. It's not done Wait yet. I'm a working on that. I'm working Hold on, on you, that. You got you to hang out for Hip Hop to Save America After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yes. a, that's a whole different podcast, fam. Yes. Yeah. 
right, that's what's up. Don't uh, forget, now, last- Kid B. Pharaoh. You can catch me, Kid B. Pharaoh. It's B-E-F-A-R-R-O-W dot com or be fair on instagram or twitter or facebook be fair and if you look me up on spotify it's b dot e space pharaoh that's what's up but definitely spread the love uh lastly real quick the album's dropping in august you got the uh ain't no crime single dropping yes sir tell me about real quick ain't no crime and then tell me about the album the the thing you want people to gravitate towards so Ain't No Crime was, it was one of those joints that we just had a bunch of ideas and I wanted it to kind of bang. Uh, the thing that was in my head was Bombs Over Baghdad, right? And just mm. the, the energy of that record, right? Innovate the flow, you can't mimic it. Sound never dies, echo unlimited. Promo rhyme, y'all high school scrimmaging. Part futuristic, part primitive, progressive. Still rooted in the history that makes the source of all trueness. I don't give a damn how much you move units. Dragging y'all back to school like truants. Back in action, tag yeah. back, back um, And we wanted that kind of... That kind of energy with with a real, real bluegrass cut to it. And then we were like, it, it, we, we had it way up, and then we just dropped it on them. Yeah, always down for the call, so I never starve. Hella bars, break them off better than the regular. Get it, y'all, with a full plate you couldn't finish off. Even with them hinged off, both were constricted, y'all. Right. And so the whole song is just this is huge build, and then it drops. And the drop is real, just sexy and deep and just like, yo. And then it picks right back up again. And so we just wanted to have the kind of thing that kept you in the midst of the song, just really up and down. And from the beginning to the end, you had gone through lots of different range of emotions. And it was very, very dope. The way I imagined it, the way that it sounded to me, it was that like it grabs you by the seat of your pants like immediately and just digs his fingers under the cheeks and just holds on to it. <laughs> and then, and then there's a, <laughs> and then there's a part where you just stop and you just kind of sway with it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and then it drives you back home. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly that. It's pretty exactly accurate. That. It's exactly that. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. There's your quotables. <laughs> Oh I'm, man, we want the whole album to I'm a, hit like yeah. that. I'm a country. Uh, no, we don't need to work in advertising. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a country boy, so we we that's the way we talk. Sorry. I understand. <laughs> I understand. We awesome. want the we want the whole album to really you move through people like that, and all that you know, get that whole range of emotion through you. And there's a lot of very deep, deep stuff in it, and there's a lot of real highs in it. And so we want everybody to. To, to be able to go through the whole thing and, and experience all of that. Bet. Lastly, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody. The name of this podcast is Hip Hop Can Save America. And uh, it's a lofty idea. It's it, we I think we need more than hip hop. You know, don't get me wrong. But I think that a lot of the fundamental things that make hip hop hip hop are some of the fundamental things that we need as a society. Right. So we talk about a lot of hip hop advancing education. We talk about hip hop. In health and wellness, I talk to people who are using hip hop as you know, school counseling. There's a lot of ways that like hip hop has been used in non-traditional ways to benefit humanity. That a lot of people are not really up on. I, I think your group, your band, uh, your crew is really interestingly poised uh, to touch upon from a social justice aspect, from a musical aspect, ways that hip hop can help bridge gaps, bridge ideologies, bridge thought processes. But I'll, let me ask y'all, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What do y'all think 
people need to recognize when we say that hip hop can be used as a vehicle, as a tool, as an ideology, as a philosophy to help improve lives and livelihoods and communities throughout this country. From y'all experience, y'all very unique experience, merging these genres, traveling the country, going to places where hip hop is not front of mind for a lot of people. What inspirational ideas have you come up with that would make a case for that argument? Man, our son, the last week, I, I wasn't hip to this album. I don't know why I wasn't hip to this album. It's not like I don't love the roots, but I, I didn't listen to this album. He suggested to me how I got over it because I've been campaigning for something and I just needed some, I needed some real encouragement that day. And it's a lot of black thought just like talking about how he got to where he, where he is, how he got to his mentality. And uh, man, hip hop can be such an education and such a therapy sometimes. You just, just listen. Sometimes in our crowds, we got old folks just like, yeah, I really like it. I just, you know, I don't understand the lyrics. I was like, you gotta understand the lyrics. You gotta. That's like, mm, that's the meat and potatoes right there. You were just eating the mayonnaise. Well, that's one of the reasons why our son and I are so uh, adamant about how much we enunciate when we spent. Because we realize that our demographic is wide open as far as like the age range and culturally. Yeah. So, uh, you got to get you got to get Hamilton on. Them. Right. We don't want people to, to, to miss the <laughs> words, really. Right. Um, because the stories are what's important to us. And. You know, that's also a big thing in bluegrass is the stories. But for hip hop, mm. because it's a lyric heavy genre, the stories become that much more important. As far as in the in the ways of of saving America, it acts as a way of giving voice to the voiceless, telling those stories of the people who were previously ignored or disregarded or overlooked. That's, you know, that's, you see it across hip hop throughout its existence. Of course, there's the party records, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the self aggrandizing ego rap, rap records. But even in that, there is the struggle and the pain because mm-hmm. the very reason people do the big talk is because they were made to believe they were small to begin with. Mm. So yep. they so they paint this picture of this larger than life figure of themselves right to self affirm and that in itself is a positive effect it's motivation music when it comes to that you know you know it's aspirational even when you go to like Sugar Hill Gang you know they're rapping about taking car services to go to a party because they didn't have you know rides to begin with but after they started getting paper they did Right, they got a new OJ. Yeah, you, right, you, 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 you speak it into existence. You know what I mean? Yes, it was it the, right. The word itself says in the beginning there was the word. Mm. Yeah, quotables, dude. What are you doing? Our, <laughs> right, our son, take us out. Why is hip hop the the mold for for how we can make a better society? I would say is a couple of things. Most importantly, within hip hop, like if you're dope. Hip hoppers will respect you if you are good at what you do. You could be the fattest, like most blind kind of goofball dude in the world. But if you're dope on the tables, you will get represented 
as a dope DJ. You might have terrible breath and your feet stink or whatever, but if you're doing amazing graffiti pieces, cats will rep for you for your talent, for your ability, right? Mm. Within hip hop, within the culture, you know, not the, not the industry and not the, the, and all that, but within the culture, the thing that you do within the culture that you claim that you have to be good at to get represented for, if you are good at it, you will get props for it. And there are a lot of people that exist within American society to get props for doing things that they're not very good at because mm. they knew the right person or they had the right money or whatever. Mm. And, you know, they're able to sort of represent things that they aren't really about in hip hop. If you are dope at what you do, regardless of regardless of what you look like, regardless of anything, if you're good at that, you will get respect. You will get represented. You'll get your props. And I think that if we make a better effort for people to get to get the props that they deserve for the things that they do. That's for me mm. is part of how hip hop can save America. Well, listen, I, I will say this again for anyone listening who uh, respects my opinion. I'm just a guy, but uh, y'all are dope at what you do. And again, on paper, we might be a little bit side eyed and that's what makes it even more satisfying to see y'all do what you do. To hear what you do on a record, to see what y'all do in person, live, uh, to know that you're carrying this message to other parts of the country that aren't hearing these messages on a regular basis. I think it's part of the reason why hip hop can save America. So I appreciate y'all for your work. I appreciate y'all for your artistry. And I, I look forward to this album dropping. And I, I really look forward to us being able to be in the same place at the same goddamn time again. No after this whole thing. No doubt. First round is on me. Hey, and Manny, I do remember you coming backstage at the Knitting Factory show. I was I was having a good time that show. <laughs> it was a good time. And again, I like what I saw in Brooklyn. I love to hear that y'all are on the same vibe out of state in those deep red states and oh, yeah. carrying that message. Oh, yeah. I love to hear more that it's actually being heard and and respected. And maybe, you know, I tagline this show as the innovative, inspiring, and sometimes surprising ways that hip hop can benefit humanity. We all know as hip hop heads, we all kind of know how much hip hop can benefit. We don't have to be, you don't have to sell us on hip hop in the schools. You don't have to sell us on hip hop in mental health situation. You don't have to sell us on hip hop in science. We can see how that those things happen, but it is surprising to a lot of people outside of our cultural influence, how, and it's not just Hamilton. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah no it's, doubt. it's the way you guys are, are putting it together and, and displaying it and being inclusive and welcoming and being welcomed it's exactly what we need. Uh, you know, I think I do a really great job of, of doing the thing that we want. We want to, as hip hop has, we always want to kind of bridge the gap, right? We want to bridge the gap between generations. Yeah. Right. You know, the old school and the new school, that whole thing. We want to bridge the gap, but you know how it is. Well-respected jazz musicians have shit on hip hop for a long time. For a long time. Right. We want to bridge the gap between different genres, between different cultures, Hip hop is great for that because it is universal and and worldwide. And I don't know if there's anything comparable. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, I, I really nothing, don't think there nothing is that, nothing that's existed as far as I know that has been. And and that's the great thing about it because it came out of this out of this out of this place 
mm-hmm. right? And literally took over the world. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, there's nothing that has affected planet Earth from a, from a non-technological standpoint. Right. Like hip hop ass. Nothing. Right. I think it's more uh, influential than religion. <laughs> yeah. The only other things that have like affected our world is religion and sports. It's the only thing yeah. that ties people together on a worldwide base. Religion, yep. sports, sports, and hip hop. And I put hip hop like above that because you'll find places that they're not trying to mess with Jesus Christ, but they still rapping and b-boying and b-girling and you know what I mean? So 100. Yeah. 100. So, so listen, I, I appreciate y'all. This was a great talk, a great build session with y'all. I hope that it touches ears that have not thought of the possibility, the real possibility of, uh, of this, this, this mashup, this genre bending that you guys do. Uh, I love you for the, the social justice aspects that you continue to hold true to. And I will do everything in my power to make sure people know who you are. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate y'all. Manny, thank yeah. you so much, man. Thank you for having, Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip hop podcast. With me, your host and creator and producer and editor and theme song maker, Manny Faces. For more information on this and other episodes, please visit us at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. Make sure you subscribe to Hip Hop Can Save America on whatever streaming platform or podcast app you use. And be sure to leave us a review either on Apple Podcasts or the Podchaser platform. It's a good place to leave a review for us, podchaser.com. Once again, I'm Manny Faces. You can follow me on Twitter at Manny Faces. You can support this show and the work we do on Patreon at patreon.com slash Manny Faces. For more about me and my work, check out mannyfaces.com or my podcast production company, mannyfacesmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another episode soon. If you have any comments, feedback, suggestions, critiques, or praise, email me, manny at hiphopadvocacy.org. This has been a production of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy, www.hiphopadvocacy.org. Shouts to our associate producer, Summer, and shouts to every one of you listening and showing support. Peace and love. Be back soon. We're out. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.